here at Allens, they want you to learn and they want you to enjoy yourself. Go for it and keep your mind open. But a mentality of celebrating difference. Pro bono is a really important element. You play a pretty critical role. The work we do towards reconciliation, sustainability and philanthropy. God, my friends have taught me so much during this experience. Got off the train and I was like Elle Woods arriving at Harvard. <laughs> I was just like, this is my moment. If you have a smile on your face and you're willing to get stuck in and apply yourself, then you'll bring so much value. I'm Mel. I'm Talia. And, and this, this is Alan's Confidential. Confidential. We would like to start today's episode by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording this episode on today. We recognise their ongoing connection to the land, water and community and pay our respects to elders past and present. I'm one of your hosts, Melissa Camp. I am an associate in the competition consumer and regulatory team and my pronouns are she, her. And I am the other half of the hosting duo. My name is Talia Rodriguez, and I am now an associate in the disputes and investigations team in Sydney, and my pronouns are she, her. Really excited to bring this episode to you all today. And the purpose of this episode is really to demystify the clerkship recruitment process. We know that many of you listening right now are probably in that nerve wracking phase between when you've put in your applications to the various firms you've applied for and finding out whether or not you've gotten through to the next round. So we wanted to try to set your mind at ease today and give you some tips on what to, I guess, expect once you get that interview email what that process looks like moving forward. So joining us today, we've got Nick, a partner in projects and the Brisbane staff partner. And we also have Renee, a lawyer in the disputes and investigations team in Melbourne and the co-author of our Allen's Clerkship Companion, which is a very comprehensive guide she's put together to navigating the clerkship process. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. My preferred pronouns are he, him, and I am joining from uh, Jagera and Terrible Country in Brisbane. My preferred pronouns are she, her, and I'm joining from the lands of the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation. Well, we might get started with our first segment, which is always our nightmare fuel segment. So we want to hear an embarrassing story that you can share with us. I can go first, so uh, we can rank embarrassing stories at the end of this. <laughs> uh, my embarrassing story occurred... Sometime in the clerkship process, I was a COVID applicant and a COVID clerk. So lots of my events were done online. And so I may or may not have forgotten to check if my microphone was on mute as I turned to my younger sister who I was sharing an office with and yelled at her to stop annoying me in a team meeting. So I said my apologies many times, both to my younger sister and to the members of the meeting. Uh. Did your sister respond? That's my question. And was there any reactions on the team's call as well? I think she was actually really gracious towards me when she found out that I had forgotten to turn my mute button off. She definitely comes out starring better than me at the end of the story, (laughs) I think. Well, mine isn't one from when I was interviewing or when I was a clerk, but it was true when I was a grad. I remember I was preparing for my first big signing. I was responsible for pulling all the documents together. It was a little while ago, so there was all hard copy documents, boxes and boxes full, off-site. So we got to the signing. A government minister was there ready to sign. We opened the documents and we found all of the signing pages had been removed. It seems that we were like meticulously checked every single change to the document except the very last change. And when the very last change was made, somehow the print room pulled out every execution page and there was nowhere for anybody to sign. <laughs> that sounds like sabotage. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I was going to say it's um it's one that I still have nightmares about. Yeah, 
arguably the only thing you need on execution day is an execution page. Like that's the, that's the star of the show. We actually managed to find one sitting in the back of a document somewhere and a photocopier. And we literally just photocopied and slot these pages into the documents and <laughs> no one kind of oh noticed. Gosh. That's incredible. Good for you for finding one. That That is very <laughs> impressive. That is needle in a haystack type of situation that you were dealing with there. Yeah, I thought it might have been a bit career limiting if I didn't. So turning now to the content of today's episode, we thought we'd start at the beginning of the timeline. So you've put in your application, you've received an email back from the firm inviting you to interview and what basically happens next in what order so that the prospective clerks listening to this episode can get a bit of a feel for what to expect. So starting at the beginning of the time frame, I suppose, one of the very first things that happens is you will be assigned a clerkship buddy. Basically, we would love to explore with you a little bit more about what that buddy role is actually for. And I suppose debunking the myth in a lot of people's minds that these buddies are really just spies for the firm. Renee, we thought we might turn to you for this one. Yeah, sure. So I was a buddy uh, last year to a couple of clerk interviewees who went through the process. And I think I saw myself as primarily being a friend to guide them through what is otherwise quite a nerve wracking process. So I invited all sorts of questions from them. I also completed a couple of clerkships at different firms and was able to provide, I suppose, a high level comparative overview of my experiences, why I chose Allen's, how the other firms compared, both the good and the bad of those different experiences. And so as I was meeting these prospective clerk interviewees, I wasn't necessarily putting on an Allen's hat, so to speak, but more so putting myself in their shoes where I was a couple of years ago and thinking of what would be the best advice or insights I could provide them to help them make an assessment as they go through this process. Yeah, I was going to say, I think as much as it is an informative role in that we're answering a lot of questions about Allen's because how are students to know certain things, I think it's also quite a supportive role in that a lot of what I think buddies have to offer is actually just backing the student that they're allocated to be a buddy for. So just supporting them, encouraging them, helping them be confident before interviews and afterwards as well. I think just being a friendly reminder to back yourself throughout the process and enjoy it as well, because I think it can be a lot of fun. You can learn a lot about yourself and and what you want out of your career. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's a nice segue on to our next part of the episode, which is effectively the Allen's Insider Access event. So that will occur after you receive your invitation to interview, but before the interview itself. And this is really an opportunity to come into the firm and get to know a little bit more about us. And your buddy is there during that process, I suppose, to facilitate those introductions. But at the event itself, we thought it'd be helpful to go through a little bit about what actually happens at these events. So Nick, I might throw it over to you to give us a bit of a rundown as to what these events involve and I suppose how candidates should really act to get the most out of these events. Sure. And I think I really echo what you said earlier. The reason that we run the Insider Access event is to really give everyone a chance to meet us in a more informal environment to get to know your buddy, possibly get to know some of the people that you might be meeting in the interview, but also just to get a bit of a sense of the firm and get to speak to various people around the firm. And so there's usually a formal and an informal part of it. You know, we often have chat rooms where we will be talking about different topics for the legal profession or about career development or 
various things about Allens and what we do and, and who we are. And then there's also an informal segment where we just get to mingle, talk to each other. You have an opportunity in that environment to ask any questions that you'd like to ask and just get to know us a little bit better. I don't want candidates to feel like you're sort of on evaluation or anything. I mean, it's really an event that's meant to be an icebreaker for you. It's meant to be an opportunity for you to get to know us in a more relaxed way and would really encourage candidates to ask whatever questions you'd like to ask, you know, seek out and meet the people you'd like to meet. It's really sort of a resource for you as part of our process. I think as much as candidates probably feel under so much pressure to perform and work the room and meet all these people, I personally feel so nervous on these nights as an Allen's employee because I want to impress everyone there. Like I meet all these <laughs> exceptional students. I'm like, oh my God, please come to Allen's. And we're all trying to impress you, you know? So I think hearing that helped me be a little bit less nervous on the night. I think it helps if you look through the firm's directory and there's certain people that you want to meet or from certain teams you want to speak to, definitely go in with that in mind. I know that personally, I went and found Geneva, uh, who was the previous host of the podcast and who originally started it. So she was someone that I really wanted to speak to. So I sought her out on the night and now we're great friends. Being on the other side of the recruitment process as well as in Alan's lawyer now, I can see very clearly that Alan's lawyers are always really excited for when external guests are coming in. And we definitely treat clerkship candidates as external guests that we want to show our best selves and put our best foot forward for them. And it's like what you said, Talia, we recognize that law students coming in are the next generation of lawyers and we want to show them that we welcome them. And so we're not trying to put on a front of being posh and really unapproachable. We're actually trying to do the opposite of being warm and welcoming. And so if you have that mentality going into any of these insider access events, that should help you feel more at ease, I hope. I suppose turning to a few more practical tips, like I know something that I was really nervous about coming into these events was like, how do I actually join into a conversation? How do I leave a conversation? Well, I think part of it is really just to own it. I mean, the reality is we know that what clerkship candidates want to do on those evenings is meet people and none of us are going to be offended if you know, you've had a conversation with one of us and there's someone else you want to meet, that's totally fine. So you certainly don't feel at all concerned about just coming in and joining a conversation or you know, saying, look, it's been great speaking to you. I've really wanted to um, to catch up with this other person who I saw earlier. So I'll, um, you know, it was great to meet you and hope to see you soon and exit the conversation. That's totally fine. We don't expect you to be babysitting Alan's people or anything like that for the, <laughs> for the evening. Don't feel worried about coming in and out of conversations. It's 100% what we expect to happen. But I think also we're not there to judge you on how you do that. I think it's so fair and reasonable to say, thanks, this has been really helpful. Can you direct me to someone in XYZ team so I can get a better sense of what's going on there? That's what I usually did. I think I kind of just used one circle to help me move to the next. And I just used to ask to be directed to someone in another team that I could chat to. And that usually worked. And I think everyone at Allen's tends to know someone in each team. So it works works quite well. I agree entirely. And I think another thing that I just wanted to add on this topic before we move on to actually speaking about the interview itself is as much as it's an opportunity to network with Allen's people, it's also a great opportunity to meet people who are potentially going to be your future colleagues. And I think being respectful in entering those conversations and just having a chat with the other people in the room is really great. And also kind of helps in the long run. So use the event to get to know everyone there and be gracious and interested and absolutely just soak up as much of it as you can. So we've had the Insider Access Night at Allen's. 
you have your interview and there are so many questions about this part of the application process. Nick, what are you looking for in an interviewee? So I think the first thing is that there is many a TikTok and Instagram account that will say <laughs> what you need to do and not do in a law firm interview. He's a man of the people. <laughs> oh, look, look at that. I, I like one of the only partners that know what those words are. So there you go. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the aim of the interview really for us is to get to know you. And, and for you, it should be to get to know us. You know, we've seen all of your written application by that time. We've read your CV. It really is just an opportunity for us to get to know the real you and for you to get to know us as well. So there isn't any one single thing that we look for. It's just about overall the experience that each of us has and, you know, genuinely just getting to to see what people are passionate about, what they're interested in, you know, what they're wanting for their career. There is no one mould of an Allen's lawyer. We have one of the great strengths of Alan's really. And one of the things I've enjoyed the most about working here my entire career is the great diversity of our people in terms of our experiences and skills and all of that. And so that's what we want to foster. So it's really just about getting to know the real you. And I, if I reflect on some of the most memorable interviews that I can recall being part of, that was the common factor. It was when I felt I really got to know about someone. And often a lot of that was very little to do with the law. It was to do with a really cool hobby they might have or a charity that they that they work for that they're really passionate about or you know a business they've started or just something really interesting about their life and why they're interested in pursuing a career in law there's no single thing it's just about getting to know you as a person i think renee something in your clerkship companion that you put together talks about how to go about actually bringing yourself to the application and to the interview. So I'd love to turn to you now to hear a little bit more about how you went about preparing for your interview and bringing yourself into that application and yourself into that interview. Yeah, sure. In the clerkship guide, I talk about how often it is that people say you should bring yourself to these events and these interviews, but there's not much material on how one could actually do that. And so one of the ways that I sought to do that in my own applications was to reflect on some of the key events that have happened in my life that might not have happened to many other people and to reflect on what skills those events have developed in me. So an example that I used uh, was migrating from overseas by myself and living in a boarding house for year 12. And I think I can count on one hand the number of people who've done the same thing. Rather than seeing that as a disadvantage, not growing up in Australia, reflecting on what moving overseas by myself has taught me about being someone of resilience, someone who can adapt to different cultures and someone who's able to learn things in a short amount of time in order to sit the VCE, for example. One example that uh, I like to share about someone's cover letter that I was reading, he was sort of, I think, on paper, your average law student in the sense that he go to uni, do the same subjects and join the Law Student Society, for example. And as I was talking to him, reading through his materials, wondering how we can improve his application, he sort of made an offhand comment that he worked three or four days at Coles during the pandemic. And I think lots of people would avoid talking about their retail jobs because they think that that's such a common thing. And between being a paralegal and being someone who worked in retail, I think they would assume that people in law firms would value the paralegal role. But that sort of made me pause and think about, well, I'm sure working in a grocery store, like one of the few stores that were allowed to open during a pandemic, 
for four days a week whilst balancing studying uni online would have taught you so many things that the average person in law school wouldn't have learned. And I think it's changing the way you see events that have happened in your life from being just sidetracks to your law studies to actually thinking strategically about events that have shaped you into who you are today and what skills you can bring. And that does two things. I think it makes you an overall more interesting person if you can talk more uh, and beyond just your law school studies. And it also helps you to think deeply about things that have happened in your life and being able to articulate them in a way that resonates on a human level as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I personally think in my interviews, I spent more time talking about the non-law jobs that I had and hobbies that I listed on my CV than I did about any of my previous jobs that were kind of legally adjacent or as a paralegal. And I think that that really goes to the style of Alan's interviews being so conversational, you know, having having that genuine connection is so much more important sometimes than your transcript because they can see that already on paper. So getting towards the end of the episode now, something that Tyler and I have had going for a little while now is a question box, which is up on the Allen's graduate page for people to basically write in anonymous questions that they want answered from the firm that they don't necessarily feel comfortable putting their name to. And we had a question come through actually this morning, which we thought was really nice timing, giving the topic of this episode. And one of our listeners has asked, it's kind of a a two-part question. The first, whether they're going to be looked over if they don't have volunteer experience or a WAM higher than 70%. And the crux of that is that that person said that they're currently working three jobs with doing university, which makes volunteering nearly impossible. And the second part of the question is what makes an application CV stand out from the masses? I think I'll turn to you first, Nick, maybe talking to the first question. Is that something that you're going to <laughs> look over if they don't have on their, their applications? It's a great question, but no, absolutely not. We look at you as a person. And I think going into the process, we recognise everyone's situation is different. The things that people have been focusing on, their circumstances around working versus studying and and other things, it all bears into it. So there's not any one single thing that we look for. We look at people holistically and, you know, we would appreciate that if you're having to work three jobs while studying, doesn't leave you a whole lot of time for anything else. And that's okay. It's not about us saying there's a checklist of these five things and you're not, you don't get past go unless you tick these five things. We look at everybody as an individual and everybody holistically. And as I said, earlier, I think one of the great strengths that we have as a firm is the diversity of our people. And that's the mindset we bring to this. And I wouldn't be worried. There's not a single threshold thing that we that we look at. You know, we look at everything. Another thing that I think I'd add briefly is that Allen's has a rare recruitment tool, which is an optional tool that you can um, put information into during the application process, which goes through different um, life circumstances that you may be going through at the time of the application, including things like having caregiving duties or exceptional workloads or other kind of life circumstances that you'd like the firm to be aware of. We've spoken about that in a previous episode, which we'll also link in the show notes for you. I think this touches on some similar themes, Renee, to what we've already spoken about, but I know your clerkship recruitment guide that you help put together also goes into what makes an application stand out. So is there any advice that you have from this question to add? Yeah, I think it related to the topics we've touched on about hobbies and passions and unique experiences. So with this person who's just put in the question about working three jobs and doing uni, I think that in and of itself is just really interesting and 
makes my ears perk up and make me makes me want to ask them more questions about how they manage it. And I think it's quite clear that they must have some skills that are worth sharing about in a cover letter to be able to balance three jobs and do uni. A good application would be one that shows the best version of someone taking into account all of their personal and unique experiences and putting it on a paper. So I've seen lots of applications where they've had heaps of volunteer experiences. I don't come out of reading that document knowing them any more than I would someone else. So it's really how you use your experiences and how you reflect on them, how you apply them and how you articulate the skills that you form as a result of those experiences. I mean, I think it comes back to the same thing, which is, you know, don't tell us what you think we want to hear in your cover letter. Like your cover letter is your opportunity to tell your story and it's an opportunity to introduce yourself to us. And I think if you think about it in that way, that's how you should approach it. That is a really nice sentiment to put forward. I really like that. We'll turn to our final question, uh, which is what advice would you give your former self going into your interview at Allen's? I can go first. It's not that long ago that I applied for Allen's, but I wish I had backed myself more going through the process. I actually delayed applying for clerkships by a year because I just felt like I didn't have the requisite experiences. I, I didn't have a paralegal role back then and my grades were pretty average. And it's not until I had a conversation with one of my friends who was successful in going through clerkships that she really helped me to reframe all my experiences and think through in the same way that I've articulated throughout this podcast about how all of these experiences that I've dismissed as being irrelevant or probably a bit too personal could actually be used to distinguish yourself amongst other applicants. And I think I, I wish I had known that earlier. And this is something that I tell anyone who asks me for clerkship advice. It's not necessarily here's how you be a good communicator or here's how to network or here's how to do research interviews. It's more, do you actually give yourself credit for the things that you've gone through? And do you reflect on them and grow from them? And are you able to put that into paper? I think that's something that I would have liked to know before making applications. I think that's excellent. The thing for me really is, and more about the interview itself, was really a mindset thing. I think having sat on interview panels for many years now, People in that room want you to succeed and they want to get the best out of you. And that's their mindset that they are bringing to the interview. They're not there to cut you down. And I think everyone in that room wants to see the best of you. And I think it's really important to go into your interview with that in mind. You know, we're here to help you to succeed. We're not here to cut you down. Thanks for that, Nick. I think just to add my own little tidbit, not that I was asked, but I'm going to anyway. If you are having an interview, they already think that you are good enough on paper to work there. They already think that. They really just want to get to know you. And I know that that is a cliche that you hear all the time, but it's not. It is factual. You're good enough to be there. They really, really just want to get to know you and they want you to get to know them and make sure that it's right for you. I feel so hyped up and empowered and I don't even have an interview. <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining us today, giving us those insights. They are so meaningful and it's so nice to come from both sides of the table. So from you, Nick, as an interviewer, I feel like you must have seen it all. And from you, Renee, who is clearly so passionate about this and really understands the nuance of this process. Um, and you've put together an incredible guide that we'll link in the show notes for everyone to access. Thank you. Thanks for your time.